the whole thing was falling apart and I was sort of like oh, I'm losing this project and this isn't gonna this isn't gonna happen and after just a few years of making mocks I firmly believe that to be true Lego Lego Hey everybody, welcome back to Back to Brick. I'm your host Garrett, and this is the podcast where we talk with fellow AFOLs from around the world about their Lego designs and how they go about building them. We also get down to the breaking news every Friday to talk about what Lego's been up to and all the new sets or rumors that are coming out. Today we're going to be uh, talking with a designer, but first, before we do that, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. There are so many designers and great Lego news out there that I want you to, you know, listen to and hear about. So you can subscribe on any of your favorite podcast listening apps, such as Spotify and Apple. You can also leave us a review on Apple, and you can also subscribe on thebacktobrick.com. Then you can see some of the photos and other uh, inside content that we have around our interviewees. So without further ado, we'll start off with a designer interview today, and this is going to be with Steve, but he goes by Rubbermaker underscore Lego on Instagram. First off, Steve, thank you for taking the time today to come on the show. No problem. Thank you for asking me. Of course. I really appreciate your work. I'm a big sci-fi nerd, so we'll definitely talk about a lot of <laughs> things that you've built. Yeah. But for our listeners, just give us a little intro, where you're from, what you like to build. Yeah, the the really boring stuff. My life story. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm just a normal dude from uh, the UK. I live in what's probably the greyest city in the UK, which um, is quite appropriate because most of my builds are in grey. So it's kind of like I'm trying to replicate my environment in my work, sort of thing. So yeah, it just kind of rains all the time where I live. So I'm kind of stuck inside building most of the time. But yeah. Um, normal guy from the UK um actually only been building for about four years I wasn't really into Lego as a child um I think I dabbled in it a little bit but I don't really remember really being that interested in it at all I was more into stuff like riding bikes and that sort of thing getting my myself you know filthy dirty uh, and um, parks and all that <clears throat> yeah in 2017 my youngest had just been born so I took my two boys to Legoland and it was just, oh, that was the, that just changed the face of my wallet forever, that trip to Lego. <laughs> really? Is. Yeah. So, so I sort of, I, I thought to myself, hang on a minute, this is, this is awesome. I want to, I want to have a go at this. So I bought myself the uh, Kylo Ren's TIE Silencer set. And it was sort of like, I was thinking to myself, oh, I'm just going to do this as an experiment to see if this really kind of does it for me. And I built it and I was just like, oh, God, this is awesome. I, I just <clears throat> need to do more of this. So, yeah, I just became poorer and poorer and poorer after that. And um, just I started building all of the UCS sets. Really, after about six months, it, it, I kind of, it just wasn't really enough for me. So then I discovered Rebrickable. I started building other people's mocks. And then after about six months of that, that wasn't enough. And I just decided I was going to build my own stuff. One morning, I just got a bunch of uh, random bricks together and I built a Star Destroyer with them. And it was absolute rubbish. It was just the, the, <laughs> the, the most garbage thing you could ever imagine. And I looked at it and I was like, this is brilliant. I can't believe I just built this. But it wasn't. It was crap. So, so yeah, I built a Star Destroyer. That was it. I was, I was just hooked on it then. Um, so I've really not looked back since. I've just been building my own stuff now for... 
like the last three years solidly. It's definitely a lifelong passion for me now, something I will take to the grave, as they say. Wow. That, uh, that was a good breakdown. You took about six of my questions away from me. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I knew you were going to say that as well. I thought I was like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm jumping the gun here, aren't I? Sorry about that. <laughs> no, totally, totally makes it easier for me. You Definitely, can ask them uh, again, and I'll try and answer them again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will, you know, I'll hold off my questions because I always want to ask this question at the beginning. Your sig fig, what would your signature figure look like if you could build one or if you have built one? Uh, uh, <laughs> I presume you see my Instagram page, so you know how it, it's it's really big on figures on there. Um, yes, yeah, Lots yeah. Of no, figures. I don't really do <laughs> figures to be honest. I, I kind of use them if they're if I need a pilot for one of my ships. But uh, sig fig, it, it, you know, actually, I saw a really cool meme the other day. It was a picture of um, Ryan Reynolds on the left hand side, like looking all dapper in a suit and like flicking his cufflinks like only Ryan Reynolds can. And underneath it, it said how society wants men to dress. And next to Ryan on the right hand side was a picture of the Mandalorian. And underneath that, it said how men really want to dress. <laughs> so I reckon my sig fig absolutely is the Mandalorian in all of his um, best gar best. Yeah, that's me, Mandalorian. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say the Mandalorian is a great choice. And especially just uh you know having your own little grogu well not anymore oh, spoiler yeah. alert but <laughs> <laughs> i've built a definitely grogu. a great kick have I, you I built, I built a grogu out of two pieces what what two pieces now uh <laughs> it, a one by one round plate with a one by one green flower plate on top of it that's pretty accurate uh, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. all you kind of need yeah <laughs> yeah it's all there on my instagram <laughs> you can find a little grogu <laughs> all right now i'll jump back Let's go yeah. 2017. Mm. You said you're, you took your sons to Legoland, correct? Yeah, both of them. Yeah, I got two. What made you want to take them to Legoland? Uh, because that's what you do with boys. You just think, <laughs> yeah, Legoland, that, that'll kill a day, won't it? I'll just I'll take them out there. And, you know, I, I was sort of like, oh, God, you know, I've got to do something. And it'll be, it'll be cool. You know, I'm sure I'll, I'll enjoy it sort of begrudgingly trudging off to Legoland. It's like, you yeah, give the kids some entertainment but i enjoyed it more than they did and i was just like oh, <laughs> look at that look at that oh my god look at that little boat down there and yeah it was just just mental and this was back when the star wars building was still in there this is the legoland windsor in london england i'm talking mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. yeah they still had the star wars section there we went in there and probably spent about 70% of our day in the Star Wars building, just sort of walking around it again and again and again. And, uh, oh, it was so cool. They, they got like, they had like an eight foot wide Death Star in there and a sort of 10 foot long trench mock with, with TIE fighters and X-Wings and everything. So, yeah, it was really, it was really eye opening for me. And the boys were just like, oh, can we go and get a burger now? I was like, any minute. <laughs> <laughs> I, your dad's looking at something he's enjoying this yeah, yeah exactly. i'm not, deal yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not dealing fat. with you right now yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you said you know you bought some sets most some of the ucs sets and your wallet disappeared um <laughs> yeah did you, what was your first ucs set first ucs set was slave one which is a fantastic set it is a great set i think that's yeah. one of their best in the ucs scale other than millennium falcon of course yeah, you know, yeah, I've got the Millennium Falcon and I don't like it all that much. I, I want to like it and I feel like I should like it because of how much it cost me. But <laughs> the thing is, 
you know, you, you pick the thing up and it just digs into your hand. So it's uncomfortable to hold. And then you, you try to move it and, and the panels fall off the top because they're not connected. Yeah. And right. it's just like, I, I just think, oh, I really want to love this. And, and it's so cool, but it just it hurts me to, 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 <laughs> to touch it. And so, yeah, I struggle with, with my UCS Falcon. But Slave 1, yeah, rocks. Yeah, I would say the fl Falcon is not meant to be moved. I've moved it like three <laughs> times. I had it at my parents' house for a while, and just getting it five uh, hours away took some time and some manipulation in the car. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, yeah seen, gotta... I've seen this YouTube video of a guy with the Falcon, and he's, he's just built it, and he's taken it down to his mock room in his basement. The way he's walking down the stairs <clears throat> carrying this thing, you would think that the guy is carrying like a Ming vase or something. He just looks absolutely <laughs> terrified. And he's walking down this really steep staircase and his girlfriend's at the bottom going, come on, Josh, we can do this. And he's just sort of like, just don't rush me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it does take some finesse to get that. Really but, does. you know, then, then you said you started with a Star Destroyer. What made you start building mocks? Uh, Star Destroyers, to be honest, I, I was I was absolutely obsessed with them when I started out. It was kind of all I built for about the first six months. I just loved the whole aesthetics of the, the clean lines of the Imperial ships. I loved it. And also, mm -hmm. I felt like that was something that I could tackle at that stage because there was a lot of straight lines and a lot of not too complicated angles and connections, even though Star Destroyers actually are quite complicated once you actually really get into them. But it was just it was just that. I probably built about seven Star Destroyers until I sort of had one that I was really quite pleased with as my first proper mock. But yeah, it was just, I just, just love that aesthetic of Imperial ships. So that's what got me started on mocks and Star Destroyers in particular. I'm guessing you've rebuilt that and made another Star Destroyer, or did you venture into other areas first? No, I. What, what happened was I got so into Star Destroyers that I realized that I'd kind of gotten bored with Star Destroyers. What I did was... You I overdid I, it. <laughs> I, I totally did. Yeah, yeah, I really shot myself in the foot. I thought to myself, you know, I, I need to do something that pushes conventions a bit and really pushes me a bit as a builder. So I, I stopped on my kind of like eighth Star Destroyer and took it all apart. And I thought to myself, what can I build that's actually quite an interesting shape? And I still wanted to stick with Star Wars because it was kind of like my most familiar go-to at that point in time. And I settled on the Nebulon B escort frigate and because that thing is, is a great shape. And it's actually based on the shape of an outboard motor. I found this out while I was researching it. So I thought to myself, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a go at one of them. And I, I built one sort of freestyle over the course of about three months. It was like a midi scale Nebulon B. I posted it on my social media and it just absolutely blew up. It went berserk on Reddit. And I had so many requests for instructions that I then partnered up with someone who was very good at making instructions because at that time I couldn't make instructions. And he made instructions for it. And it has it's by far and away my most successful mock on the on the instruction side of things. And I still love it to this day. I still have it and set up in my in my garage. It is a great model. I know that they just did the smaller version. Lego did it as a Comic-Con exclusive. Yeah. Um, which some people were able to get. I was able to get one mm. because it was nice not having to go to the San Diego Comic-Con, but they should have just, you know, released it to everybody. Oh, agreed. And I think that was the consensus around the whole community. I mean, I'm, I can't, I couldn't, lost count of how many posts I 
red raging about how you couldn't get it outside of certain you know states or something and and yeah it was really frustrating but i actually bricklinked it and built the whole thing before it released mm -hmm. or, or shortly after it released or something because because they had the instructions great thing about lego is obviously they they put all their instructions free online so i got the instructions bricklinked it and built it and i've actually got a photo of it on my instagram page next to my star destroyer my Star Destroyer is, is not big. It's uh, Sorry, my Nebulon B. It's not big. Yeah. It's just like a midi-scale one. And yet it's still three times the size of the <laughs> one that Lego released. So I kind of put it next to mine. I was like, wow, God, it's like crazy. You know, I mean, mine's only like 1,400 pieces or something. But um, but it was, I, I have to give it to them, though. Their, their Nebulon B was solid. It was a great build it was a great construction you know you could you could throw it out of a kitchen window and the 10 floors up and it wouldn't break well i wouldn't test it but no it could be, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah don't try that at home kids yeah. <laughs> and i love the scaling too of that model because midi scale gives you not you don't have to go excessive on pieces but you mm -hmm. don't have to limit yourself on pieces. You just, mm -hmm. you can build the model that you like. I, Lego did two of them years ago. I was talking with uh, Tips and Bricks about it. Yeah. And then they stopped. And I'm like, well, why? These are great <laughs> sizes, get detail, all that. Yeah. yeah. Again, that's another, that's another common issue that I've seen raised in the community is whatever happened to Lego's MIDI scale models. Um, but I'm doing my best to fill that gap with my mocks because most of mine are MIDI scale because kind of that's about as big as I can make them with the exception of two gigantic ships I have made this year. Yeah, I wanted to talk about, we'll get to it, but I was going to say, so limit on your space. What kind of space are we looking at that you get to build in? Uh, what? Oh, my, my actual building space or my display space? Your building space. Well, my building space is, uh, as of the pandemic, it, well, <laughs> it was this, this kind of like two foot by three foot long desk which is now, as of the pandemic, became my work desk. So it's my work desk and my building desk and pretty much everything <laughs> desk now. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of room, really, but everything, all of my pieces are kind of kept in zipper bags. Uh, so I don't have a massive problem with storing my spare pieces. I just have a massive problem with the zipper bags splitting when I pick the pieces up and them all falling out in the bottom of the box and having to retrieve them all. I mean, we're all limited. And especially, like you said, the pandemic changed a few things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. But it hasn't stopped me from building. In fact, it, it only gave me more kind of impetus to build more and to just really go for it. I think, I think you know, the, the pandemic was when I really shifted my builds up a gear. And why do you say that? Uh, because I have more time on my hands. I, <laughs> I have more time on my hands, but I, I kind of have this this kind of pledge that I make to myself every New Year's Day that I'm going to try and make this year's builds a, a significant visual and technique step up from last year's. And so far, I'm pretty pleased that I've managed to achieve that. If you look back at my last three years worth of builds, each year I believe and I hope that I've achieved a progression in the aesthetics and the techniques and every year I'm, I'm constantly learning more from the community and more techniques and implementing them in my builds so you know it's a natural kind of progression really to to go that way but I just really try hard to push myself and the pandemic just just gave me the time um the the space to do that and as you said you've pushed yourself and you brought it up before you pushed pretty hard because you came out with two pretty impressive star wars models 
And yeah. let's talk about those. How did you come up with the initial ideas for those and the execution? Well, I had I built a really huge Star Destroyer by a very well-known builder called Raskolnikov. And the Star Destroyer is called the ISD Aggressor. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. It's probably one of the most famous mocks that you can find on Rebrickable. It's 15,000 pieces and it's about like it's about almost a meter long. I was incredibly impressed with this model. It's absolutely phenomenal. And as this year began, I thought to myself, I've never done something big and I really want to do a big one. You know, my biggest thing had been my midi scale Nebulon B and I thought I need to I need to really step it up and I really want to go big. But I didn't want to just do a Star Destroyer because everybody was doing Star Destroyers. Yet I did want to do a Star Destroyer because everybody does Star Destroyers and they're awesome. So I thought, well, what can I do? How can I how can I do a Star Destroyer but not do a Star Destroyer? So I started researching all different types of Star Destroyers, in particular looking for really interesting shapes mm -hmm. among the fleet. And that's how I ended up stumbling onto Star Wars Armada, the board game, which has some absolutely phenomenal designs for the ships um, in the miniatures that they use. And one of them was, of course, the Gladiator-class Star Destroyer, which is an incredible shape. And I looked at it and I just thought to myself, right, I'm going to do that. I'm going to give it a go. And, and it was one of those things where, where as I was thinking that, I was thinking, there's no way you're going to be able to do this. Absolutely no way. <laughs> not a hope in hell. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. No, you're not. So anyway, um, I sort of put it off for about, <laughs> about a month thinking, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then I decided, right, I'm going to take apart my ISD aggressor, which was incredibly painful because that thing cost a lot of money to build. But anyway, I took it apart. That took me another month. And by the time I took that apart, I, I thought to myself, I've probably got what I need now to pull this off. So I just started building. I just started doing it. I just got as many reference photos as I could of the Gladiator. And I started building it. And I have a saying every time I start a mock. And my saying is, I'm going to keep on building this until I can't think of a way to keep on building this. And I didn't fine I, that never happened i didn't come to a point where i couldn't keep on building it and bear in mind at this point i'm still building freestyle i hadn't yet started using studio for probably a good month or two i was i was just sort of you know putting this thing together in my in my evenings just looking at pictures trying to find the right parts shoving stuff together experimenting here there and everywhere and in the end i ended up with this absolutely gigantic 70 centimeter long 60 centimeter wide seven kilo behemoth <laughs> with with i was even able to cram in a micro scale interior with nano figures that almost made it look like they were the right scale for a star destroyer which i was really pleased about uh so i put that out and and i just put that on my social media and it, again it just seemed to do so well it, it, it was so well received and i was really blown away by it I, I it ended up in Brit Vault's top 10, which was just a, just such a great moment to see your work showcased like that. Um, and I'm forever grateful to them for doing that because that really spurred me on to continue and drove the ship that followed the Gladiator. Do you want me to go on, on and talk about that one as well? Well, just to pause for a second, it was also recognized in Blocks. Y oh, yeah. You had a two-page spread, which is awesome as well. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I did. And I actually wrote 
some of that as well. <laughs> they asked me to sort of write a few bits and pieces about the ship. So yeah, it was great. Um, again, really, really grateful to them. I'm grateful to everyone who covers my work. It's always a massive buzz. I never expect it. I've got huge imposter syndrome. So everything I put out, I always think to myself, hang on a minute. In a minute, someone's going to leave a comment saying, no, this guy's rubbish. Why are you all talking about him? So yeah, <laughs> it's great. Well, most it of the time, the Lego community is pretty supportive. So that's they at are. least a little plus. I mean, there are still haters out there. It's supportive, but they they can be a touch pedantic at times. That yeah yeah that's true. <laughs> as, as I'll talk now, about later, if you like. <laughs> sure. Do you remember where you started? Because everybody usually has a point where they're like, okay, I want to do this scale. Maybe like for you, this could be the TIE fighter or was it the bridge? What what gave you mm. the best starting kickoff point? Well, I find with, with most ships, there are kind of like distinctive shapes that you can see and you can see a piece in those shapes. And for me with the Gladiator, right at the very top of the bridge superstructure section, there are these four cones either side i still don't really know what they are to be honest they're probably shield generators because this ship isn't well documented on the internet that was another problem there are hardly any pictures of it out there anyway there were these cones and i i already had something that i thought you know that would be perfect and they were just you know standard cone pieces but i thought well you know if i plug them into this bit and then use these kind of curved edge pieces i can probably construct that bit i can see on the top so i made that bit one night i just sat down and went for it and made that whole very very top section of the superstructure and that's what drove the rest of it everything went from there i scaled everything on from that and that was really just just how it came about i hadn't intended to i wanted to make a big model but i hadn't intended to make a 70 centimeter 60 centimeter <laughs> eight seven kilo one i just wanted to make something big and impressive but it just kept growing because of those pieces, those cone pieces. I think they are three by three, three by three stud wide cones with two by two tapering into two by two on the top. Yeah, it just kept growing from them. So you can blame them for the size of it. That's usually also, that's what happens. I have a model that I'm like, well, I want it to scale to this smaller vehicle. So, and then I have to get the shape just right. And now it's over four feet wide. Like, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, you don't exactly. have any uh, any control at, at certain points. And then you're like, well, now I'm stuck. I have to change up from the initial starting point or just try to figure it out. Like you said, just press until you can't anymore. Absolutely. And if you're not working digitally as well, and you're only working with the pieces that you've got in your house, there's this constant fear that you're going to run out of pieces or not have what you need to carry on <laughs> yeah. and have to sort of resort to buying one piece from Bricklink and paying like £10 or $10 postage shipping costs something like that so that that was kind of in the back of my mind the whole time but that never happened either so so good old isd aggressor those fifteen thousand pieces there's a lot of cool stuff in that i tell you it looks like it and it, it also leads into the next design of your corvus yeah the uh, rebel alliance this is i'm guessing another one from the armada yeah uh no this is from star wars battlefront the video game oh okay. battlefront 2 then battlefront 2 was... yeah yeah um, it, it's a conversion of an Imperial ship. They converted it into Rebel Alliance colors and scheme because there, there's this part halfway through the game when the main character defects and takes the Imperial Corvus with her. And then it just suddenly appears in this different state. And this, again, was one of those things where I wanted to make a ship that not everybody really knew. I didn't want to just follow the conventions of making something that everybody else was making. And a lot of people knew the Imperial version 
But I saw the rebel conversion and I thought, you know, what, that's awesome. And I don't think many people will instantly recognize it. And yet I think they'll like it. So that's kind of what drove me to choose that version and not the more popular Imperial one. Uh, and ironically, I've just been bombarded with requests for the Imperial conversion ever since I made it. I'm going to be another one to add to the list to make the Imperial one. Uh, <laughs> well, be, be careful what you wish for. That's all I will say. <laughs> it's beautiful. And especially because you. you don't have studs on top. It looks like you <laughs> really enjoy smooth uh, stylings. Oh, yes, Why did you yes. choose that instead of uh, the kind of standard stud on top? Again, it was um, a combination of wanting to really push myself and try something new. Also, as you say, I'm really into that kind of smooth studless look, and I try to achieve that as often as I can. And also, it was just massive admiration for a select group of builders that I've been following for a while who use this technique, in particular, Jerak. I'm sure you're familiar with him. He's a phenomenal builder. And he actually gave me some advice on getting the snot technique right, because I didn't get it right the first time. The whole thing was falling apart. And I was sort of like, oh, I'm losing this project and this isn't going to this isn't going to happen. So I actually I reached out to him because I'd spoken to him a couple of times briefly on social media. So he kind of knew of me and I, I knew of him. So I reached out to him and asked him, you know, can you just talk me through this technique and, and get me going on this? And he was great. He was really, really helpful. Gave me a, a tiny little build that he made in Studio of how the nose, the very tip of it would look. And I, I just basically took that tip, which was probably made of about six pieces, and just, just carried on building onto the top of that tip using that technique. And, um, and yeah, it just absolutely achieved exactly what I wanted that ship to look like. It's one of the few mocks I've made that looked exactly how... Uh, by the end of it, it looked exactly how it had looked in my mind at the beginning, if you get what I mean. Yeah, it, it is tough. I mean, I'm still working on it. I, I did a large scale model with this, no studs on top and then realized that it was only hinged on like three points. And I'm like, well, that's going to break. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My my first one, my first uh, attempt at uh, the snot technique was was precisely that. I mean, I had the right ideas going, but I just hadn't put them in the right places or in the right way. And in actual fact, all I needed to do was flip everything I was doing by 90 degrees. It was incredibly simple. I was doing the right stuff, just in the wrong way. Once I did that, it all just really came together well. And that, I mean, that's a big ship, that as well. It's a big, heavy ship. And yet those those snot plates are absolutely solid as a rock. You wouldn't think it, but they're probably more solid than they would be if they were made from plates stacked together. I understand. I'm following. But I also am lost because I'm still trying to figure it out. So you might have to do the same thing that Jarek did and help me figure it out. <laughs> OK. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I'll tell you what he, he told me, if I can remember it. Um, a tall, narrow structure is not as strong as a long, short structure. So imagine a really tall wall built of bricks. So imagine mm -hmm. like a, a wall that's 50 feet high of, of bricks just stacked on top of each other. Now, imagine you built that wall that was 50 feet long and you flipped all of those bricks by 90 degrees. And made it so 50 you've got, feet wide. Yeah, <clears throat> 50 feet wide, sorry, yeah. So you've got a 50 feet wide wall with all of the bricks flipped by 90 degrees. Now take that second wall and put it on its side next to the first one. You can knock the first one over by sneezing on it, but the second one you've built will be solid as a rock. 
purely due to the fact that you've made something that's actually short and long as opposed to tall and thin probably not not explaining this very well but <laughs> no best. i mean i i understand the physics behind it i think it's yeah. uh for anyone out there it's the connection aspect that would is would be a challenge to some degree do you uh, uh, well as in connecting these structures to a frame and actually making turning yes. them into a yeah. model oh that so i'm guessing hard. it's a technic yeah. frame yeah yeah, no, that, that is really hard. And that took me a long time. And with the Corvus, because, again, I wasn't working with Studio. This was the last model I built freehand. Because after this, I was just like, God, I can't do this anymore. I've got to start working digitally. <laughs> it's broken. <laughs> but I actually, I remember the day I figured out all of the connections for that. And I drew round it on a sheet of paper. I drew round the whole plate I had created on a sheet of paper. And I ended up taking this drawing and laying Technic plates along the length of this drawing to find where I could stick the ball joints that I was going to use to connect it. And it was just, it was so incredibly crude. And yet it worked. It really did. And, and I ended up with this really crude, you know, pencil scribble that I was then able to, to sort of draw Technic bricks on. I was like, right, okay, so that the first one's going to go 13 studs up from this first Technic brick and just kind of went along like that with a, with a pencil sketch. Nowadays with Studio, I find that whole process a lot less painful. So that's primarily what you use now, Studio. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As I say, I, I'd kind of reached my breaking point. I'd, I'd gone as far as I could go building freestyle. It's, mm -hmm. it's a great way to do things, but it's an incredibly expensive way to do things. And you really, you're not afforded the same freedom to experiment as you are with digital builds. Having said that, I still do build stuff freestyle. And I tend to build, I call them my crazy ships. I tend to build stuff just from my own head. And I can't do that in Stud.io. I can use Stud.io to create a shape that already exists, like the Razor Crest or a Cylon Raider or Ed 209 from Robocop, which I built recently. I can do those in Stud.io, but I can't build completely original concept in Stud.io. I have to have physical bricks in front of me and experiment and stick them together. So I still love doing that. So I've kind of got the best of both worlds, really. I still get to do my Crazy Ships freestyle, but I also get to do cool stuff in Stud.io. Which probably helps a lot with the models that you want to build when you don't have the pieces and want to build instructions for. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, recently I've started to branch out from science fiction spaceships and stuff like that. I made a, an effects, guitar effects pedal board. Have you seen that one? I did, yes. Yeah. So, so kind of go along with the Stratocaster? Yeah, that was it. To go, yeah, because I bought the Strat set, which is, which is really cool. I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed building it. But I, was, I used to be a guitarist, and I was kind of like, where's the pedals? God, it needs some pedals. So... <laughs> So yeah, I, I then I broke out Studio and I made this these little pedals in that, and I was just sort of like, ah, oh, you know, this this is no seventy centimeter long spaceship, so not people aren't really going to be interested in this. So I just kind of knocked it out and and put it up on social media, and oh god, it went absolutely ballistic. I couldn't believe the reception to it. I was really really taken aback by how popular it was. In fact, um, it's it's sort of like this particular mock has actually sort of bridged the gap between two hobbies and has found its way onto guitar websites who've been oh, wow. blogging about it on guitarworld.com and guitar.com. There are blogs on there about these pedals. I didn't even know they'd done them. I only found them the other day. And, um, and 
it's really incredible because I was getting quite a lot of followers on my Instagram page from from guitarists and I thought where's all this coming from and it turns out it's it's because of these sites that have picked up on this and then I went back to one of my Instagram posts and I noticed that one of the comments on my effects pedal board which includes three boss guitar pedals one of the comments was from boss themselves actually sort of saying yeah this is awesome and and then they were tagging in lego saying at lego we're ready when you are it's like my god did, Whoa, did boss, that's cool yeah did boss just actually leave a comment casually <laughs> suggesting a collaboration with lego it's like i'm in <laughs> and I'm, like, oh, that, I'm, I'm waiting by the phone that's awesome uh, definitely for recognition not only if you're built but from the company that's oh, like yeah. hey this is awesome this looks just like what we're thinking i did that with Oh, what did I do? I did a 3D printer and the company's like, this is awesome. Can we get the instructions for it? So I made instructions and sent him. They're like, we're going to build in the office. This is going to be so cool. Yeah. But you said you branched out because you've done instructions for Rubricable, but then we talked offline that you've researched and are now partnering with a Lego compatible brick company. Let's talk about that because we've never talked about that on this show because there are other things. Now we're not, for anyone listening, we're not talking about Lepin. We do not like Lepin stealing no, the IP. This is something different. So if you mm -hmm. want to talk about that, let's let's get into it. Sure. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's partly what this was about for me, the whole Lepin business. You know, Lepin are no friend of the Lego community and certainly no friend of the mock making community. They've been stealing our designs for many years. I myself have had designs stolen by them and that, that have been on for sale on AliExpress for a good two two or three years now. And it's really frustrating. And there's really not nothing we can do about it. We don't have, you know, the clout as individual builders. So I was contacted by a company called Litarke.com. Initially, they, they just contacted me and said, you know, our website, we sell mocks and we use compatible bricks. I know you may be a bit suspicious of compatible bricks, but check out our website. We'd really like to work with you. And I was, I was like, and, and these guys are from China. So I was sort of like, you know, suddenly alarm bells go off. You see, you hear compatible bricks with a, a company from China. And all we know up to this point is that that's where Lepin are based. And, and so there was this kind of real skepticism in me for, for a little while. And then I researched them and they did seem to be really genuine and they were really friendly and they were really, really helpful. And then they provided me with a contract for one of my mocks. So I had the contract looked at by a lawyer and it was all really above board and it was all very, very well put together. So I thought to myself, this, this does seem to be legitimate. So then I thought to myself, what's the benefits of this? And one really big benefit I realized quite quickly was that I could actually play Lepin at their own game here and beat them to market with my own mocks. And the way I could do that was by ensuring that Litake, who also sells stuff on AliExpress, Amazon, all of this, I could ensure that they get my instructions straight away before anyone has had a chance to pirate my mocks. So my mm -hmm. stuff goes out for sale to the market before it's been pirated. And it is working. It really is. You know, these guys are great. They are absolutely true to their word. And they contract for all of the mocks. And as we've mentioned, they are built with compatible bricks. And, you know, it's been a really positive experience. And I'm really, I really feel like this is an opportunity to actually strike a bit of a blow against those who have been stealing the work of mock makers for many years and stealing the work of designers. Um, to actually partner with people like this 
and make sure that we get our work out there under uh, under terms where we will benefit from it. And so that's how that all came about. And that's why I partnered with them. You know, when they talk about Lego compatible, just mm-hmm. break that down. It, it's not an association to Lego, but they're of similar style or are they kind of just a remake of the bricks that already exist? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the gray area. This is the the area which some people do have problems with legitimately. It, it's it's everybody has their own opinions on this. Compatible rigs essentially are going to be non-branded versions of what we get with Lego sets. You know, they just they don't have the Lego logo on them. Clutch power sometimes isn't as good, and they don't have every single piece Lego make. They they tend to sort of make pieces to order. So if I make a mock that has a piece that they've never made before, they will actually, you know, buy the piece from Lego. And then I believe they make a mold. The issue with this, I think, is is that it's fairly common knowledge that Lego don't actually own the patent to the bricks that they produce. So actually producing these bricks, I mean, I don't know all the legalities behind it, and it's not something that I get too involved in, to be honest. I think that, you know, I have massive issues with these companies actually cloning lego sets they have no right to do that they have no right to steal designers mock designs either Uh, but the actual bricks themselves i believe legally there isn't too many kind of issues around that but as i say i'm not a lawyer so i don't really look into it (laughs) and i totally accept that some people do have issues with that you know we we have a very purist community in a lot of respects and I, I myself am one of them. I only ever build with, with real Lego. Yeah, I have built with compatible bricks in the past. But nowadays, with my mocks, I just like them to be as good as they possibly can. So I only build everything with real Lego to make sure it all works before I make instructions for it. That makes sense. It's not, like you said, they owned the patent for a while, but the patents, they always, time expires. And then people can use that similar style. Yeah. And having this, it gives opportunities for people to broaden and you know, still do their builds. And like you said, beat the market on people who want to steal it. There are, like you said, mixed, mixed reactions to any of this, but I appreciate it because you're still putting out these uh, instructions, not only as models from them, but you're unrebrickable too. So people can build them with Lego if they, if they really want to. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Lightarchy don't have exclusivity on any of my models. The only model I sell with exclusivity is my Rebel Corvus through Brick Vault. Uh, but Lightarchy don't have exclusivity and everything I do is, is still available through Rebrickable. Uh, but essentially, we have to be realistic about where we are with this hobby and this community and the world we live in. And we live in a world where this market has arisen. We can't do anything about it. It's there. And they have been taking from us for a very long time. So we have to try and find ways to engage with it and work with it in ways that don't condone anything that the market has done with regards to the stealing of legitimate designs by lego and mock designers and yet don't condemn them for the things that they are doing right like when this company comes along and tries to work with designers and offer us legitimate contracts and only does you know legitimate designs by mock designers and and like don't do as far as i'm aware they they have never done any legitimate sets from lego never cloned any sets at all as far as i'm aware <laughs> and that's good. I mean, you're, I hope you're no one's really wrong on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
either way, it's great to get the models out there and so other people can enjoy them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely appreciative of the models and continuing to expand. Do you have any ones that you're planning on in the future here? Well, I'm definitely, definitely going to be doing more stuff in the vein of my guitar effects pedals. Okay. <laughs> Not just because they were wildly popular, but because they were wildly enjoyable. And I, I really loved doing something different, something that isn't a spaceship. It was just great for a while to actually branch out and do something that's so real world, so grounded. And having been a musician myself, I have plenty of knowledge about the the type of kit and gear that's available in that in that particular hobby. So I'm definitely going to be exploring that route more. But I'm also working on some other stuff which we may have alluded to in this podcast which i (laughs) definitely can't talk about but there we go i might also be working on something like that you know i always have ideas going around in my head i always want to build crazy ships as i call them my kind of homemade conceptual stuff that i come up with Uh, a very good friend of mine online goes by the name of ron mcfatty brilliant builder he recently obtained a massive purple windshield and he contacted me, it's a canopy piece, and he contacted me, he said, I really can't do anything with this, do you want it? And I was like, yeah, okay then. So he just posted it to me. <laughs> so I've got this massive canopy and I'm just looking at it and I can just see a ship forming around it. So that's probably going to happen at some point as well. So I'm not stopping anytime soon, that's for sure. That's great to hear because, I mean, your models are awesome and I'd love to see more. Thank you. Uh, as we did allude to one, and there are probably more that I could guess. It's fun to see these size builds as well as all the other ones. You know, the Stratocaster is a cool set. And just adding on to that, having additions onto Lego sets make it fun because then people are like, well, I love this Lego set. Oh, that just makes it an extra plus to have something like that. Definitely, definitely. I think that that played a lot into the popularity of the the effects pedal board and something I hadn't foreseen and hadn't really been thinking about when I made it. I made it for myself because I just wanted an effects pedal board for my for my strap. But you're right that that has definitely been something that I received you know plenty of feedback saying that that is that's a really popular side of things. And there's a massive market there I think to do stuff for Lego sets. And I hope Lego themselves don't have any issues with that kind of thing happening. Uh, I shouldn't think they will do, really. But yeah, who, who knows? Maybe I'll do a, a life-size selection of Boss pedals in collaboration with Boss. Who knows? <laughs> Stranger <laughs> things have happened. Well, everybody continues to create. And as we kind of wind down the episode here, I always think that in creation, we continue to improve, like you said, over the years, you continue to do things. And um, coming into the, the Lego community, not late, I don't think anyone's late into the community. I read an article where a woman was 93 and she just started building. She just loves Lego. But yeah, Amazing. it is. And it always leads me to the question of how do you think Lego in general has defined or changed your life? Um, it stopped me watching TV, that's for sure, (laughs) because I I, I, I can't really watch TV. I just have to sort of be creating stuff. Um, But defined, I don't know. I I think it's one of the first things. It's strange. I'm going to contradict myself because I said earlier that I have huge imposter syndrome and I do. And yet, as well as that, it's one of the first things in my life that I felt truly 100% confident in my abilities at, I really kind of feel like I can do this and I can really, I can really push myself and I can really create things and I can really achieve something with it. 
Um, you know, I mean, I have, you know, all sorts of lofty ambitions to to be the greatest builder that ever lived, that sort of thing. It's never going to happen. But, you know, we, 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 we kind of fantasize about these things. But it's it's been just such a driving factor for me now for three years. And it's really it's really kind of done done wonders for my self-confidence, I think. Um, getting such great feedback on my work because as I say, when you when you do have these these issues where you're convinced that any minute someone's gonna rumble you for being a complete fraud, it's just fantastic to to hear that people like what you do. And that that gives me such a brilliant boost. And I'm I'm so grateful to this community and all of the outlets who cover my work. And it's just fantastic every time anybody mentions me or even just leaves a single comment or likes anything on my any of my social media posts it's a huge buzz and it really is and i never expect it and it's just been it's just been like no other hobby i've ever had and again that's just down to this incredible community the logo community are fantastic they're you know they gave me a hard time over the order of my effects pedals on the board they didn't <laughs> like that they were kind of like no the tuna should be at the front the wawa shouldn't be next to the rat and all this sort of thing but um <laughs> pedantry aside <laughs> yeah. uh, bless them they're to be honest, that was all very justified. The pedals were <laughs> in the wrong order, but they were brilliant. They're, they're so helpful, so friendly, and just I, I love the community. I love Lego, and for me, it feels like it feels like drawing in three D, and the it, the possibilities are endless. I once heard it said that there is nothing in the world that can't be built out of Lego, and after just a few years of making mocks, I firmly believe that to be true. I believe it as well. I'm. It, it just takes someone with a special eye, and being artists, it, it, it can come at any moment in our lives. And you've realized that everybody has potential. You're not. Uh, you're not a poser. You, you have talent, and people have seen that, which is great. Having that coverage and understanding Thank of you. like, you know, Lego is out there, and we can build whatever we like. Mm. And I mean, you've got all these different things. You've got yeah. the range of the Corvus. You've got um, the Mandalorian's Razor Crest and one of my favorites, the Battlestar Galactica Cylon Raider. Yeah, Cylon Raider escaped me. Um, yeah. And there's so many cool ships just from all of these things. It, it doesn't even have to be ships, like you said, the uh, Stratocaster and doing all that with the pedals. And mm. I think that, yeah. like you said, it, it has changed your life just for the better to to be creative and understand that you have you're capable. And I think a lot of people Absolutely. need to realize yeah. that themselves that you can be creative, but Definitely. Don't put yourself down. You build what you like to build. No. And and anyone can do it. And there's no right or wrong with Lego. And everything can be done again. Everything can be taken apart and done again unless you unless you glue it. Don't glue it. You know, there there is no right or wrong. And like I say, it's it's a hobby that anyone can get into at any age, as we've seen. You know, my, my youngest is four and he's built some unbelievable things with using all sorts of just crazy pieces. And I just look at it and I just think, this is so cool. It's just, yeah, it's fantastic. It's just uh, just the best hobby in the world. Really it is. really is. It and is. continuing to change how we define being creative. Everybody is creative in their own way, like you said. And now people can realize that on their own, as well as from other people just mm. saying, hey, great job. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And there's always, always things to learn as well. I don't think you ever reach a plateau or you, re you ever reach the end of the journey. There's always stuff to learn with Lego. 
And there always will be because they'll always be bringing out new pieces. There will always be new techniques. Somebody will find something new and you'll be like, oh, God, that's so cool. I'm going to do that in my next build. Yeah. So, yeah, it's another yeah. thing I love about continuing to be creative. And I think that that's what you've embodied here with your builds. And so, Steve, I just want to say thank you. We could talk for hours. And I think one day we will just talk. For yeah. Hours. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Again, thank you for taking the time to talk to me and all our listeners today for hearing your story. I appreciate it. I, I think you've definitely embodied how anyone can start at any time and just be as creative as they can. So thank you again for taking the time. And I, it was a real pleasure having you on. No, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Of course. And I, I love inviting on anyone to talk about their builds and just love of Lego. And for everyone out there, please take a look at Steve's works. Rubble maker underscore Lego. Beautiful builds. Uh, has been represented uh, many times by uh, the community and he's just getting started. I mean, being in three years and I think that his uh, 1500 uh, followers is far too low. We should, those are rookie numbers. Everyone needs to go out and appreciate this. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast at Back to Brick 2 on Instagram and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast listening apps at Back to Brick. You can also go to backtobrick.com to uh, follow, check out the blog, check out other pages that we have, and we're slowly getting up a store. So just look out for some of those uh, bigger improvements as well and continue to add to the team. If you're interested in coming on board, just let us know. And for uh, everyone out there, I'm going to say, as I always do, get creative, get out there, and go build something. <laughs>